Well, we welcome you again to Bellevue's time online today, and we want to encourage all of you to take your viewing apparatus, whatever you're using, a phone, a smartphone, a computer, whatever, and share right now, and let's get the word out that God has his word coming forth from the Bellevue pulpit, and he's not going to let it return to him void. He's going to accomplish what he desires, and he sends it out to accomplish, and I believe with all of my heart we're going to see some great things happen today. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, on this final Sunday of 2020. What a year it's been. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 20. No, Deuteronomy chapter 2. I'll get it out in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 2, in just a moment, we'll begin at verse 1. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, going around in circles? Going around in circles means that somebody is busy, but they're not very productive. They don't accomplish very much. There's activity, but no achievement. It's frustrating to live that way. I know a lot of people say, well, I just feel like I'm going around in circles. Yet people do it all the time. They're busy, but they are not being productive. Some people brag about how many hours they work and how many hours they sit at their desk. But what do they have to show for it? What are they actually accomplishing? I heard years and years ago Gene Stallings, former head football coach for the University of Alabama, and I'm a Bama fan, so I want to add he's also a national championship winner. <laughs> uh, he said this, I don't care how many hours you spend in your office, what have you actually accomplished today? What have you gotten done? What is it that you can show? It's not how long you sit at the desk, it's how much you accomplish that matters. A lot of people are just living like they're going around in circles. They're just going through the motions. And God does not want us to live that way. It's very interesting that in the Old Testament, the text I'm going to read with you in just a moment, God said to the people of Israel, it is time to stop going around in circles. It's time to stop wasting your time. Now, what in the world? Why would God say that? Well, for close to 40 years, they wandered around in circles because of their disobedience. The Bible says that after leaving Egypt in the Exodus, Exodus is a compound Greek word, ex out of Odos road, the road out of Egypt. When they left Egypt, the Bible says that a few things happened and uh, he gave them the Ten Commandments and other things happened. But then he said, I want you to go and spy out this wonderful promised land that I want to give you called Canaan. And the Bible says that they sent a group of people out and they spied the land, came back to the people of Israel, but they gave a bad report. Twelve of them went out, one from each of the twelve tribes of Israel. And they said, indeed, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. No doubt about that. But, or however, the people there are strong. Their cities are large. They're fortified. And we also saw the Anakim there, the giants. And we felt like grasshoppers in their midst. They were so big and strong. Their armies are strong. They're well prepared. They have chariots. We cannot go up against these people and win. They will 
defeat us. Now remember, God didn't send them over to the promised land to figure out whether or not they could win the war. God just sent them to the promised land to show them how good he was going to be to them. But they allowed the fear of man to come in. And the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. The Bible says you need to fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. Don't fear man. Fear God. They feared man. They feared the Canaanites. And they said, we can't go in. And so God let them walk around in circles. Literally, I'm going to show it to you on a map in just a minute. For over 38 years, almost 40 years, they walked around in a circle until a whole generation of unbelievers died off. And then their children, who they said they were concerned about, got to go into the promised land. I wonder, am I talking to anybody that's just walking around in circles, just wasting your life? You don't really have any direction in life? Let me talk to you today about this. And the title of the message comes straight from the text. We've circled this mountain long enough. Look there in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Moses said, Then we turned and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me and circled Mount Seir for many days. Yeah, 38 years. And the Lord spoke to me saying, You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. If you're tired of going around in circles, if you're tired of living on what feels like is a merry-go-round, then there are four biblical truths you really need to understand in order to get out of this cycle of just walking around in circles. The first thing you need to understand, the first biblical truth that comes today is this. Number one, God has a will for his people. God has a plan. God has a pathway, whatever you want to use. God has a will for your life. You know, God, I heard somebody say many years ago, never panics because God has a sovereign plan. He has a plan for the universe. He has a plan for every nation. He has a plan for every person, every Christian. He had a plan for his people, Israel, in the Old Testament. For 400 years, the Israelites had lived as slaves in Egypt. They were in bondage. And their cries and their fervent prayers in time reached up to heaven. The Bible says back in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, years passed. And the king of Egypt died, that is Pharaoh. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help. And their cry rose up. To God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. So as slaves, the Israelites cried out to God in prayer, begging him for help, and God answered. He chose a man named Moses to lead them out of Egyptian bondage. We read about that in Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 4, when the Lord saw that he, Moses, turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. There was this bush that was burning, but it wasn't burning up. It was the presence of God. 
in that bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, don't come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said, also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to cry and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression which the Egypt, with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God had a plan for his people. God had a plan. He planned to liberate them, to set them free from Egypt, to take them to the promised land so they could be free. He chose a man named Moses to be their leader in this process of freedom. And I want you to know that God, whoever you are, God wants you to walk in spiritual freedom. The Bible says that God wants lost people to be free. That is, he wants them to be saved in Christ Jesus, and to walk in spiritual freedom. Jesus himself was preaching one day in Luke chapter 4, and he was reading from the biblical text in Isaiah, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release, that is freedom, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed. Are you spiritually oppressed? Are you mentally oppressed? Are you physically oppressed? God cares about that. God wants to give you freedom. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you are in bondage, spiritual bondage. And God wants you to be free in Christ. Jesus said in John 8, 36, so if the son, talking about himself, the son of God makes you free, you will be free indeed. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to live in freedom on this earth because you've been born again, because the Spirit of God liberates you through salvation and regeneration. But then the Bible says also that God wants you to know that after you're saved, He wants His people to stay free. He wants His people to stay free. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, he's talking to Christians now, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. All Christians are forgiven and they're free from their sins. Yet many Christians are struggling. They're not walking in the freedom that they should possess because they have sinful strongholds. God wants to set every Christian free from every stronghold of sin. It might be a stronghold of fear. It might be a stronghold of discouragement. It might be a stronghold of anger. Whatever it is, God wants to set you free from that. Your strongholds 
by the way, can be introduced into your life, spiritually speaking, through your parents or through other relatives that lived before you. That's called the sins of the fathers. I don't have time to talk about it, but it's a very interesting study in the Bible. And then also your strongholds can come from sins that you've committed. You open the door. Even though you're a Christian, you open the door for the devil to sit not in you. He's not possessing you, but he's oppressing you as a squatter on the property of God. He doesn't belong there. He doesn't have a right to be there, but you allow him to come in through your willful rebellion against God. So your strongholds can indeed bring about lack of freedom in your life. Some of you are living that way, but God wants you to be free. God has a plan, a will for his people. It is freedom. He wants the lost people to be saved and to be free spiritually. He wants the saved people to continue to walk in freedom and not be bound up by sinful strongholds. If you're tired of walking around in circles, understand God has a will and a plan for you, his people. Now, the second thing you've got to understand if you're going to stop walking around in circles is this. Not only does God have a will for you as his people, but God's people can, that is, we have the capacity to rebel against his will. Through Moses, the Lord set the Israelites free from Egyptian bondage. No longer than they were out just a little while, God gave them the Ten Commandments, and after that, he led them to the very edge of the promised land. <clears throat> the Bible says in, no, in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourselves men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Now, don't forget that phrase. You shall send a man from each of the father's tribes, every one a leader among them. There were 12 of these spies, we'll call them, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And the Bible says they were just told to go see how good the promised land was, a land flowing with milk and honey. They weren't told to try to decide whether or not they would be able to take the land, but rather they were just told to go and look and survey the land. Then something bad happened. After they looked at the land. For 40 days, they were out there. The Bible says they came back and gave a bad report. We read in Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 and following, when they returned from spying out the land at the end of the 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land, Thus they told them and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, oh, what a word. The people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites are living in the hill country. The Canaanites are living by the sea and by the 
side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. He was one of the 12. Before Moses said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So 10 out of the 12 spies rebelled against the will of God. They knew that God had sent them. They knew that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. But they didn't focus on the milk and honey. They they focused on how tall the people were, the giants. They became afraid. And they not only had fear, but you know what people do when they're filled with fear? They pour it out on everybody else. And that fear disrupted the whole camp of Israel. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried, that is, they wept, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. That's what you do when you don't like what's going on at the church. You grumble at the, at the leaders. And, you know, if you don't like what's going on, just grumble at the leaders, Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives... Our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? What? You want to go back into bondage? You want to be slaves again? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Do you realize how fastly, and how quickly things can go south? They rejected God's plan. And you and I can do the same thing. You know, God's will for us is perfect. Bible says so in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. Now, he gives three descriptions of the will of God after that so that you may prove or discern or know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable, now look, and perfect. Yet, you and I can reject the perfect will of God and choose to do our own will instead. That's what sin is. That's all sin is, is doing what you want to do instead of doing what God wants you to do. Oh, we all sin. In time, we all do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. And that's because people can rebel against God's will. Well, as we're thinking about, we've gone around this circle long enough. It's time to stop it. We need to understand these principles. God has a will for all of his people, but people can rebel against that will. And when they do, the third thing shows up. Here's the third truth. God, when we rebel, disciplines his rebellious people. 
God commanded these people to enter the promised land, but they feared man and they rebelled against God. And God spanked them. He disciplined them. We read it in Numbers chapter 14, beginning at verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I've heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt for a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this evil generation and congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be destroyed, and there they will die. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land and who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of all, of all the men who went up to spy out the land. God said, when you disobey, I'm going to discipline you. We see this all over the Bible, talking about how when they feared the Canaanites and didn't enter the promised land, God disciplined them. We read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. We've already read this. It said, then we turned and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea to the Lord, as the Lord spoke to me, and we circled Mount Seir for many days. <laughs> many days is right. Again, 38 years. We read in Numbers chapter 32, verse 13, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the entire generation of those who had done evil in the sight of the Lord was destroyed. <coughs> we also read in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14. Now the time that it took for us to come from Kadesh Barnea, and I'm going to show you this on a map in just a second, until we crossed over the brook Zered was 38 years until all the generation of the men of war perished from within the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. Let's go over and look at this map just a moment, if you would. And I want you to see something. I'll just kind of walk and we'll get the progress here of how they came out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They'd been there for 400 years. And at Ramesses is where they were liberated. They set out to go to the promised land from Ramesses. And then at Succoth, God said, 
I'm going to give you something to guide you. That is a cloud by day and then a pillar of fire by night. That's Succoth right there, Succoth. And then they went to Pihahiroth. Israel passed through the Red Sea right here. And the Bible says that the Egyptians tried to do it and they were all drowned. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 14. Then they went to Marah. Marah is right here. And that's where they came across the poisonous waters. Then they came to Elim, and that's right here. That's where they found the 12 springs of fresh water. Then they came to the wilderness of sin. Now, this, that doesn't mean that they were sinning in the wilderness, although they were. But they came to the, a literal place called the, the wilderness of sin. And that's where the Lord, you might remember, gave them manna. They were complaining, not having enough food, and God gave them manna in the morning and quail to eat. They wanted some meat, and God gave it to them. And then they came to Rephidim, a place right here. And that's where, you might remember, Moses was on the top of the mountain, and Joshua went down to fight the Amalekites. And while Moses was praying, because he was praying, even though his hands got tired and Aaron and Hur lifted his arms, as he prayed on the mountain, Joshua won the battle in the valley against the Amalekites. And that was right here at uh, the wilderness or at uh, Rephidim, at Rephidim. And then they went to Mount Sinai, which is called also Mount Horeb. And that's where God gave them the Ten Commandments. And then after that, they went into the Sinai wilderness. And this is where they built the tabernacle, which the glory of God would dwell over the Ark of the Covenant. And then they went to Ezion Gebar. Now, wait a minute, let me, I, I missed one. They went to the wilderness camps. And it was right here that Moses was trying to judge all the people by himself. But God said, no, I want you to get 70 elders to help you. And they will do that. And they did that in the wilderness camps. Then they went to uh, Ezion Geber. And this is where they passed through the land of the Moabites. Well, it's not working right there, but uh, it's right here and uh, top of the Red Sea. And they went there and they passed by the Moabites. And they also passed by the Ammonites the land of Edom and the land of Ammon. I said Moabites, but it was Edom and Ammon. And then they went to Kadesh, Bar uh, Kadesh Barnea, right here. Now, this is what I want you to see. This is where they were told to go and spy out the land of Canaan. Came back, gave a bad report. Now watch this. And God said, you're going to march until that whole generation is dead that would not go. And they marched around this mountain, this little wilderness area right here, for 38 to 40 years until all of them died. They were at Kadesh Barnea. When they finally went out, the Bible says that uh, now the time that it took, Deuteronomy 2.14, for us to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the brook Zered right here. This is where they're going to. They're going to go in the promised land right here. By the time we crossed there, it was 38 years. They walked around this for 38 years until they crossed the brook Zered there. And the Bible says that God 
disciplined his rebellious people. You say, well, Brother Steve, that's great. Enjoyed the map. Don't you see the parallel? Don't you understand that when people are just walking in circles, sometimes it's because God is disciplining them for sins they've committed in the past. Now, look, if you have confessed your sins, forsaken your sins, God has forgiven you. But if you're living in sin and you're just not going to believe God, not going to walk with God, look at me. God, Christian, God's going to discipline you. And he'll let you walk around in circles for years until you get right with him. All of us have had times in our lives where we've had sin in our lives. You need to get right with the Lord. You need to repent. You need to ask him to forgive you. You need to come before him because God disciplines his rebellious people. Well, there's one more thing I want you to see. God has a will for all of his people. God's people can rebel against his will. And when they do, God disciplines his rebellious people. But I love this last part, and that is this. God forgives and reassigns his disciplined people. In time, God, who forgives, he takes his children whom he has disciplined, and he forgives them, and he reassigns them to his mission. That's exactly what happened with the Israelites. Look there with me, if you will, at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 say, And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. Go down to verse 7. He says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you've done. He's known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You've not lacked a thing. Now, isn't that something? God disciplined them for 40 years, walking around a circle, and yet he provided every need they had. What an amazing God. Now look down at verse 13 in chapter 2 of Deuteronomy. Now arise, cross over the brook Zered yourselves. So we crossed over the brook Zered. Now the time that it took for us to come from Kadesh Barnea, it should have been just a, a few days walk, until we crossed over the brook Zered was 38 years, until all the generation of the men of war perished from within the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. Moreover, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from within the camp until they all perished. Note several things, beautiful truths about God and his discipline. First of all, God's discipline has a limit. Aren't you grateful? God's discipline for his children has a limit. Deuteronomy, going back to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we'll read it one more time. Then we turned and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea, so the Lord spoke to me and circled Mount Seir for many days, 38 years. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. It's time to move on. I've disciplined you. You've repented. I've disciplined you. It's time to get on with life. Now I want to tell you, God will discipline his children. But after he does, he will once again call them and he will love on them and minister to He'll even minister to you during the dis discipline. Aren't you glad that God 
graciously restores us, restores everything that the locusts in our lives eat, and he also refuses to discipline us for that sin anymore. I was working out last night at home, and I was on a Stairmaster, and I bought a used Stairmaster. That thing will wear you out. While I was on it, I was reviewing Scripture memory cards, and I came across this text, Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high and great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. Now listen, He is mindful that we are but dust. Oh, Christian, if you've sinned, repent. God will discipline you, but praise the Lord, He won't discipline you forever. There's going to come a time when He says, you've circled this mountain of discipline long enough. Move on. That's enough. God's discipline has a limit. But you also need to understand that God's discipline isn't really an act of love. Remember when your parents would discipline you and you, they would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you say, well, I don't believe so. But what they were saying was, I love you. That's why I discipline you. I don't just let you do things that are wrong. When you do things that are wrong, I correct you and I correct you through discipline. There's a limit to God's discipline, but praise God, there is not a limit to God's love. I want to say that again. That's good. There's a limit to the discipline of God, but there is not a limit to the love of God. Deuteronomy 2, 7, for the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you've done. He's known your wanderings through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you. You've not lacked a thing. Hasn't God taken good care of you, even though he disciplined you for your sin? Sure he has. You know, the Bible says that God's discipline is really an act of love. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 12, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He's quoting Proverbs, by the way, there. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, that is our earthly fathers, discipline us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His holiness. If God didn't love you, yeah, He'd let you get away with that sin, but He won't. That's why when you sin, God convicts you. And he lovingly disciplines you because he deeply cares about you. God's discipline is really an act of love. Oh, it has a limit. It's an act of love. But discipline also helps you learn. There's an instructive aspect to 
discipline. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, but those to those who have been trained or taught by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Proverbs 12, verse 1 says, to learn, you must love discipline. Proverbs 15, 32 says, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, to correction, you grow in understanding. And then Proverbs 19, 20 says, listen to counsel, accept discipline, that you may be wise the rest of your days. It's not the person who sins and gets discipline that should be worried. It's the person who sins and doesn't get disciplined by God who should worry because that means you're not a child of God. God doesn't spank somebody that's not his child. And you're only a child of God. You're created by God. Everybody knows God as creator, but we all, only the people who are saved in Christ Jesus know him as father. And when we Christians sin, God, he doesn't discipline lost people. God disciplines his children. And that's a proof that you're saved. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that when you sin, you feel convicted, you feel bad inside? What is that? The Holy Spirit convicting you. You did wrong, and God will lovingly discipline you to bring you back into the will of God. Oh, listen, His discipline helps you learn. God forgives us after we sin and we repent, and He reassigns His disciplined people. I just want to ask you, are you tired of going around in circles spiritually? Aren't you tired of committing the same old sins? I'm not talking about New Year's resolution. I'm talking about getting right with God as a Christian. All of us have had activity, but little achievement. We walked around in circles. It can happen to any of us. We can live in sin if we're not careful. But what we need to understand is God has a will for us. We can reject that will. And when we do, he disciplines his rebellious people. But then after we repent, God forgives us and reassigns us and gets us going again. Child of God, are you right now living in sin? Are you not walking with the Lord? You need to come to the Lord as humbly as you can and just bow before him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. I don't want to live this way. And he may discipline you, but it's for your good. And I promise you they'll come an end to it. He'll come to you one day and he'll say, hey, it's time to quit walking around in this circle. We've circled this mountain long enough. Maybe you're walking around a mountain of fear. Maybe you're walking around a mountain of discouragement or anger. Maybe you're walking around a mountain of greed or bitterness or lust or unforgiveness or unbelief or lack of discipline. Whatever it is, it's time to stop walking disobediently around that mountain. God saved you out of Egypt, if you will. That's a picture. When they came out of Egypt, that's a picture of salvation. When they were going and they were coming through the Red Sea. That's a picture, if you will, of baptism, of saying, we are free. And then when they came to the promised land, that's the spirit-filled life. 
God wants you not to walk around in the wilderness of disobedience, but he wants you to walk into the promised land, which is not heaven, but it's a picture of the victorious, spirit-filled Christian life where you learn to walk in the spirit, where you learn to dress up in the whole armor of God, where you learn how to pray and you learn how to yield the sword of the spirit, which is uh, to wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's time to stop circling the mountain. It's time to enter into the spirit-filled life. It's time for you to be free. It's time for you to be victorious. It's time to have done with unbelief and fear and discouragement. You've walked around this mountain long enough. Christian, come out of it. Come out of that horrible circle, monotonous circle of just walking around. Hear the voice of God calling your name. You've circled this mountain long enough. Now let's move on to the promised land. Let's move on to the victorious Christian life. Forget what lies behind. Reach forward to what lies ahead. Let's stop walking in circles spiritually and let's walk obediently with God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us too much to leave us walking in circles. But Lord, you do discipline us when we sin, no doubt about it. We've all been there. Every Christian has been there, done that. We know what it's like to sin and you discipline us. We understand that. But thank you there comes a time when you say, now we've circled around this mountain long enough. Now let's get on with living for the glory of God. And I believe there are many people like that today. They've walked around Kadesh Barnea for a long time and they're tired of it. You're saying to them today through this sermon, it's time to stop walking around this same mountain. It's time to move on. It's time to go into the promised land. It's time to cross the Jordan. It's time to live the spirit-filled life. Help us, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> you've never really come out of Egypt. I want you to know that God loves you. Jesus died on the cross, bore all of your sin, the penalty for your sin, was buried, was raised from the dead to give you eternal life. If you'll repent of your sins and believe in Jesus, he'll save you today. I'd like to lead you in a prayer right now to do that. If you don't know Christ, but you'd like to receive him as Lord and Savior right now, sincerely mean what you're about to say. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to anybody. Just talk to the Lord and say this, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. I'm a sinner. You're the only Savior. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I believe you died for me on the cross. You paid my sin debt. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're alive. I call upon your name. I receive you right now. Save me, Lord Jesus. Thank you by faith that you have. I give you my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.
And I wonder if I'm talking to some Christians right now, I know I am, who are ready to come out of the circle you've been going around, the spiritual circle. You're ready to say, you know what? At this end of the year, as I prepare for 2021, I want 2021 to be the time that I leave that horrible circle and I come out and I go into the spirit-filled life, the promised land. Let me lead you in a prayer for that, Christian. If you're ready to stop circling around in no man's land and move on with God, pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm tired of walking around this same old mountain. I'm tired of this same old way of life. I'm tired of being defeated. I want to walk in victory. Oh, God in heaven, I repent. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll help me now to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to live in your word, to walk by faith, not by sight, and help me to enter into the Spirit-filled life, the promised land. Give me victory, Lord Jesus, over all my enemies. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you prayed to receive Christ or if you just like to talk with somebody, I want you to call 901-347-2000. Someone is waiting right now to talk with you, to pray with you, and to help you in your decision. 901-347-2000. You can also text the word, the name Jesus to this number, 901-901. Do it twice, 901-901. Text the name Jesus. We're going to help you get started in the Christian life. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for praying for Bellevue. Thank you for praying for God's kingdom to come across America, for the gospel to be shared. And one more time, I just want to encourage you. You don't have to keep walking around the same old mountain of sin. I know you've tried before, but it's time for God to set you free. And hear the voice of God. I have never preached this sermon before in my life. I've never preached from this text before in my life. But as I was reading it about a month ago, it grabbed my heart. And I knew this is how I was supposed to end the year. I knew it in my heart. I want you right now to say, God... I want out of this circle. I want out of this going down a, 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 a hole. I, I'm, I'm sick of that. I'm ready to come out of that, Lord. I want to live the Spirit-filled life. And I'm telling you, if you'll get real with God, He'll pull you out of the miry clay, set your feet on a rock, put a new song in your heart, a song of praise to your God. God bless you. God bless you as you end 2020. And God bless you as you go into 2021. Thank you for watching today.